Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey everybody, welcome to the Orange and Brown Talk Podcast, a Wednesday edition. I am Dan Lobby and I'm joined today by Mary Kay Cabot. Mary Kay, how are you? I am really sad about college football today. So I, I am very Corona weary and I am just struggling with the whole thing today. Like I'm sure a lot of other people are. How are you? Well, I, I can't disagree with that. We're, we're going to get into that a little bit here. And also Scott Pasco joining us. Scott, how are you? Good, good. And it's more than just football too. It's, it's, right. it's all fall sports, which that's yeah. a, lot, a lot of athletes out of work there. And I also saw on Twitter that the Pac-12 canceled of course they canceled football and fall sports Mm -hmm. but they also canceled basketball until january um so that's next on the the checklist to keep an eye on let's not go down that road (laughs) just yet let's not go that far ahead uh just so everyone knows uh mary Kay scott and i are going to talk for a little while and then we're going to throw it over to terry pluto uh he's going to bring us home here on the orange and brown talk podcast but we're going to spend about 10 minutes or so kind of talking about the news of the day because it is a big news day and and I want to see I guess I want to find out how you guys feel this affects the Browns how it affects the NFL if it does at all and I want to start with a different topic because we all know the Indian story uh, my, uh, Zach Plesak and Mike Clevenger snuck out of the team hotel uh, Zach Plesak was caught and sent home Mike Clevenger actually returned to the team sat in a meeting flew back on the plane uh, before he was caught, and, and they've both been punished. They were put on the restricted list uh, as we're recording this today on Tuesday. The reason I bring this up, though, is because as we look ahead to the NFL and the challenges they face, I think baseball is the closest thing we have to go by, just because the NFL, the NBA is in a bubble, hockey's mostly in a bubble, a lot of the smaller sports that have pulled this off, they're all doing it in bubbles. Major League Baseball is not. Uh, so from a Browns perspective, Mary Kay, when you saw what happened with the Indians, did you, did you have any thoughts uh, about what it means for the Browns at all? Well, I think my first thought was, I have to say, and I'm sure this is a very controversial thing that I'm about to say, is that I was kind of glad in a way that Zach didn't rat out his teammate. I, I don't feel like teammates should be ratting each other out and policing each other on this I think that's just going to cause that would cause too many hard feelings amongst players too many you know friendships would be destroyed Uh, you know I just feel like it's got to be up to uh, the teams and the leagues to police what the players are doing and I 
as we move through this, I, I wonder what you guys think about that. But that was one of my first thoughts. I thought, I, I just don't like the idea of asking players to rat each other out. Uh, so that was number one. The other thing that I thought of was that it's probably a cautionary tale for the Browns. I'm sure that the Browns will use it as such. I'm sure that, that Kevin Stefanski will probably say, hey, look what happened to these guys. This is what we don't want to happen here. Uh, and, you know, if, if that didn't happen with those two guys, I think it may have been a little bit more likely that in, on one of these road games, we were going to hear probably something similar. Yeah, I think it's a reminder that we're talking about, uh, you know, young men in their in their 20s. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think back to my 20s and maybe I didn't make all the best decisions in the world at that age. And, you know, it's going to happen in the NFL. And, it, and that's crazy because I don't know how you get to the point in your head where you think I'm an NFL player. People know that I'm not supposed to be doing this, but I'm going to do it anyway in a place where everybody has a camera in their back pocket and everybody has access to social media. It can get it out there in a, in a second. It just seems wild to think that we're going to be writing, maybe not particularly with the Browns, but we're, the people who cover the NFL are going to be doing that story this season. People are going to do it and, and, and they're going to break team rules and protocols that they have in place and, that's, I mean, that's, that's just the reality of dealing with a, a, a lot of young guys who maybe don't think things through. Yeah, and, and to me, it's I, if I'm an NFL coach and, and this situation came up, I'm sitting down with my guys and I'm saying, first of all, our leaders have to be leaders, right? I mean, Mike Clevenger is supposed to be a veteran in that room. So he probably shouldn't be, uh, you know, doing what he did. And, and I, you know, we obviously don't know how it all played out, but you got to have guys that are going to be leaders, somebody that's going to stand up and say, you know what, we got a guy in Carlos Carrasco who had leukemia. Like you can't, you can't put him at risk. We've got a manager who has just missed a week for, you know, whatever the medical procedures he, he underwent were. You, you can't, your leaders have to be leaders in that situation. And uh, you know, it, it kind of put, you know, Zach Plesak is responsible for his own decisions, but like you said, Mary Kay, it kind of puts him in an unfair position because is he going to, be willing to, to rat out Mike Clevenger? I don't know. But uh, it's, it's a really complicated situation. Your leaders have to lead. And you've got to understand kind of what taking care of each other means. And, and I think we are going to have situations like this in the NFL. To me, it was just a reminder of how many guys there are in the NFL. And they're still going to be traveling, not as much as in baseball. And, you know, you're going to have situations like this. Um, and, and we'll see how the NFL addresses it. The well, remember, remember Billy Manziel, you know? I mean, yeah maybe some of these guys will go out incognito. You never know. We might have some really interesting stories this year. But I'm very curious to know, what did you guys think about Zach Plezak not ratting out Mike Clevenger, right or wrong? You know, I, I think it's a, tough, it's a tough spot for him, like I said. But I also think be, there, there's layers to this, right? Be, I think because of the Carlos Carrasco situation, and then I think because of the Terry Francona situation, at some point, somebody needed to take responsibility there. So, uh, you know, is, is it unfair maybe to expect Zach Plesak to do that? Maybe, but he is also an adult. So, you know, I, I think that maybe he should have had some responsibility or maybe there should have been a pathway. I mean, the NBA has their snitch line, right? I don't know if anybody actually uses it. Uh, maybe, maybe there needs to be a better way for, for a player to address that without, um, without, you know, 
it being known who it was. Maybe that's a situation where you would have known who it was, but I, I do think there is some responsibility there for, for Zach Plesak to understand that he messed up and that, you know, maybe he needs to call Mike Clevenger and say, hey, you've got to own up to this, buddy. I'm not going to rat you out, but you've got to own up to this. Yeah, we don't know if he was blowing up his phone with text messages asking, what the heck's going on? Why, why are you still there, you know? It, I mean, I don't know. This is, this is a little different than just going out, maybe being out past curfew. There are more layers to this. So I wouldn't have been upset if, if police that could, you know, uh, contacted coaches and then explained what was going on. It's, you know, got to be an adult. I mean, I know they're teammates and everything, but – still you got to be an adult about it all right yeah, i like the idea I, I like the idea better dan of, of him saying to clevenger hey you really you really need to fess up and tell them what happened yeah and and of course you know the big issue with clevenger is that he was going to team meetings and writing on the plane and, and all i mean that's that's the concerning part of, of all of this and uh, we'll, we'll see how the rest of that situation plays out the other part of this is um college football the Big Ten has canceled their season as we're recording this. Uh, the Pac-12 has, has canceled fall sports. We talked about all that off the top. Does this mean anything for the NFL in your guys' mind? Is this foretelling anything for the NFL, or is it just a completely different situation, completely different circumstances? You know, I, I think it's completely uh, different circumstances in terms of the NFL trying to get uh, their season played because once again, if we, as we've talked about before, uh, there's a players union and they really fought hard for certain things to happen. So they've got all kinds of safety measures and protocols in place. They have the money all figured out uh, so that they're protected in that way. Uh, and college players just didn't have the benefit of any of that. So it's a completely different situation. And I don't think the cancellation or the postponement of college football informs what might happen with the NFL this fall. I think they'll still forge ahead and plow forward and try to get this season played as long as there's not, you know, seven teams with 30 positive guys. Uh, so I still think that it, it will be all systems go. I think the way that it will impact uh, the season or the draft will be, you know, will there be some NFL football played on Saturdays? And also, uh, will there, how will it impact the draft? Not only who gets to, you know, be in the draft or not be in this draft, uh, but just the draft in Cleveland and all those kinds of things. Yeah, the draft in general, I think, is the huge, what's impacted the most. It, you know, Trevor Lawrence people from Clemson, the quarterback, people expect him to be a number one pick. If there's no season played, if he decides to enter the draft, I'm not sure exactly how that would work yet with canceling but and eligibility. But if that was the case, you know, he'd probably still be the number one pick. You play a full season, that might not be the case. We've all seen players who kind of come out of nowhere and improve themselves. Guys we weren't talking about early in the college season, all of a sudden they're in the, you know, the conversation for – for the number one pick by the end. So um, it would be very weird from a scout's perspective and preparing for the draft based on what you saw last year, you know, and there's, there would be, I'm, I'm guessing a lot of players who just wouldn't get the chance to really show what they can do. There's guys who maybe, you know, are just coming into full-time starting spots this year who, who would have rose on board. So it, it would be interesting to see how many players decide to opt out and come to the NFL if they would get a season accrued or something for college 
I'm not sure how that would work because you're still, you're still having a birthday in there. You know, you're still getting older, but you're not actually playing that year of college football. So I, I think the draft is where you're really going to see this kind of throw things around and mess things up. Right. So, I mean, I don't know the exact eligibility rules, but I don't think missing the season, I, I don't think you have to be, I don't think it has to be three college seasons. I think it's just three years. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I think those guys will be okay. But the point you make, Scott, about guys, you know, Joe Burrow tweeted this, right? If, if this had happened last year, he wouldn't have been the number one pick. Mm -hmm. He would have, he says he would have been looking for work. So, <laughs> you know, Trevor Lawrence is safe. Justin Fields probably could have put himself in that number one pick conversation if he wasn't there already, but he's going to be most likely the number two pick or top five pick. Uh, but I, what, what I think is interesting, and Mary Kay, this goes to something you've been talking about. It almost seems like there might be some extra benefit this year if you're a team with some draft capital to trade a first-round pick for somebody, for an established guy, maybe uh, Yannick Ngakwe for example, because there's, there's going to be so many unknowns in the first round of this draft. This might be a year where you're more willing to kind of take that first round pick and throw it away on somebody who's more established as opposed to taking a chance on someone that you just don't have a lot of tape on. Yeah, I think uh, that's one of the, you know, unintended consequences of this. I think the NFL and the NCAA are going to have to work very closely together uh, to make sure that this works out in the best interests of these college players whose careers, whose NFL careers are potentially horribly hurt by this. And whether that means, uh, you know, making sure that the season in the spring starts early enough so that they can also be part of the draft or prepare for the draft? Or does it mean that the draft gets moved later? So, I mean, there's all kinds of things that need to be worked out now. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a strange, look, it's going to be strange on Saturdays in the fall, not seeing football, uh, of course. And you know, we might see some NFL football, but not seeing those, those big college stadiums. And there, there's nothing like a big college game. You know, there's, there's just nothing like that, that prime time Ohio State Penn State or that Ohio State Michigan game, you know, whatever, pick any big college game, LSU, Alabama. You know, there's, there's just nothing like a, a really big, important college football game. And, and certainly that's something we're going to miss out on. But I, I kind of, I, I agree with you guys that this is more about the draft and more about um, stuff like that, as opposed to whether it would affect the NFL canceling their season to it's kind of apples and oranges there. Uh, the way I look at it. Okay, we're going to take a break. I'm going to tell you about Football Insider. And on the other side, you're going to hear from Terry Pluto. Time for me to tell you all about Football Insider, our tech subscription service, where me, Mary Kay Cabot, Scott Patsko, Alice Williams will text you with the latest on the Browns news, analysis, what we're thinking, and more. You can text us back and we respond directly to you cutting through the clutter of social media. You also get opportunities to get involved in this podcast and participate in roundtables and other events for our subscribers. It's like a little club and you want to get involved with this club. You even get a newsletter every day. It's got exclusive content you either won't see on cleveland.com or you'll see before anyone else. You know what though? Don't let me tell you about it. How about if you hear from some of our subscribers as to why they love Football Insider? I, I don't know why any Browns fan would not want to have this. It's great. There's something every day. I mean, it's really, really keep, keeps me in touch with the uh, the Browns. The daily newsletter that y'all put out there, I, I really like that. It's got a lot of links, a lot of different read-ups. I mean, just, you know, you get a lot of content. That's why I like it. If I'm at work or something, I need a quick break, I can hit that up and say, oh, and in a minute I can read 
uh, what you wrote and, uh, you know, see maybe that there's further information in, you know, one of your other articles or something like that. I get excited when I see, you know, my little text messages pop up. <laughs> so if you want to join us, you can start a 14-day free trial by going to cleveland.com slash browns and clicking on the box on the right side of the page. It's $3.99 per month after the trial. Or even easier, since it is a tech service, pick up your phone and text 216-208-3965 to get signed up. Again, to start your 14-day free trial, text 216-208-3965. And now welcoming on Terry Pluto for a little Terry's Talking edition uh, here on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Terry, let's get to it. Uh, we got some text questions, some football insider questions. I'm going to get to those in a second. But I also want to touch on a couple things you wrote about in your Terry's Talking Browns from Sunday. The first thing is you, you talked about Odell Beckham. And, of course, you mentioned that Wall Street Journal interview. And I know for us, for Mary Kay and, and me and Scott, when, when we've talked about this, something that stood out, and, and you mentioned it in your column, is Andrew Barry, when he said, Odell is very mindful that he has to be conscientious with his words. And I thought that was a very interesting way for Andrew to put it, to put it out there publicly uh, on a Zoom call that everybody was watching and streaming. It felt like Andrew, even though he didn't directly send Odell that message publicly. Yes, he did. Sending a message <laughs> yes, publicly did. to Odell Beckham that just yes, be careful with what you say. Yes, he did. And I, the Browns also were smart because they remember how they quickly got word to all of us that, uh, well, that, that interview was two weeks ago. Odell is here. He's a great citizen. And I know one of the things they talked about when Barry came in was trying to get ahead of um, – you know, some of these stories or when they break, get it out there right away, as opposed to, as one top Browns official said, we're always swimming way upstream on these things. <laughs> it's like we've fallen over Niagara Falls and now they're trying to swim back up, you know? So I, and I think they did that, uh, you know, like on, on this thing with Odell, with Najoku, you know, they were always sending us signals that don't necessarily think he's going to be traded or that he's going to stick to it. And so that is a little bit of a change. They seem they kind of handle this more like the Indians handle a lot of stuff. Like they're kind of together. I hope it stays away, but at least for now. Well, and, and that's a big step because we never, mm -hmm. we never really saw anything like this last year. You know, guys would say things and you know, right. headlines everywhere, of course. And we just never saw any sort of pushback or like, Hey, let's, let's back off. Whether it was privately, publicly, it was, everything was just kind of always out there. I felt like, this is more of a modern front office and the kind maybe I'm used to a little bit with baseball. And, and even when, when the Cavs have had some good general managers, like say Danny Ferry or David Griffin and now, uh, and I think Kobe's a little bit of that, even though it's in the sidelines, they, they seem to be together with their coach and what they want done. And if not, they get rid of the coach, but um, here, like last year, I felt like Dorsey, I hired Freddie. It's his show. Well, you know, John, this guy's going to torpedo your boat. Right. You better get him some help here. He, he's going to, you know, or he's going to just lead the boat right into the rock of Gibraltar. I mean, he has no idea what's going on. And now I think that uh, one thing, Barry's been around some, even though he's young. And I think he knows, even though Stefanski's got a lot of experience, uh, he is a rookie coach. And I think he wants to keep some of the heat off and keep things together for him. Because, you know, the NFL, one problem with the NFL, they don't have enough games. So we're always looking for stuff. I've told NFL people that. I said, you know, basketball is 82 games, baseball is every day. Uh, 
we just go from game to so the whole week you all these other stories and it goes over it and over it so if you want to frame those other stories you better get the information out that we need to know don't just pretend well you guys didn't know this or that well then okay that's your fault yeah, I mean, the, the nature, I've always thought that too, the nature of the NFL is so, you know, you've got a week between games and now more than ever, you've got all these websites and, and mm -hmm. media folks. We've got to fill, I guess one way to put it, we've got to fill inventory, right? We've got to write stories. We've got to have things to talk about. And, you know, in baseball, you turn yeah. around and talk about the next game. And yeah, and the, the Joko could have lingered a long time. Yeah. Odell, I mean, we're always kind of waiting for what's the next with Odell, but what you want to do is when he opens his mouth on what he happens to be thinking this minute is hope you could, you know, get past it. So when he comes up with something the next minute, maybe it isn't as uh, alarming or whatnot. Uh, and again, to be fair to Odell on that, he, at that point, he had not heard about the protocols were not in place and things were not agreed to. So, but the fact is, you know, Dan, we hear that Odell's been great and all this stuff we don't know we're not there we haven't seen him on the field now i'm assuming all is we haven't heard much else but i'm saying that's been the i'm sure for you especially you, you and mary Kay out there all the time we're not out there we're looking at each other on a zoom call right exactly there's, a, there's just a lot that we can't know because because we can't see these guys and we can't see how they interact with each other and, and all of that you, you know you mentioned a joke that was the other topic i had written down and, and we've seen how the browns handled that uh, it felt like when he hired Drew Rosenhaus and requested the trade, usually Drew Rosenhaus gets you traded if you want traded. Mm -hmm. It didn't happen here. Uh, Najoku is back on board, at least for now. Did, did you learn anything about this front office with how they handled that situation? <coughs> Excuse me. Oh, I'm sorry, Dan. Oh. Yeah, in that one, they just didn't capitulate right away. Because I know I've had people at the Browns tell me that we don't want to be an organization. Um, that when a player just wants to be traded, he's turned on and trade him for anything. Actually, the person that told me that, though, that was when the Duke Johnson thing came up, mm -hmm. and they ended up training him. Now, they actually made a decent deal for him. Her third-round pick was pretty good at that point. But um, that's one reason. And the other is, um, is Browns people will tell you, you know, is a nice guy, but he's immature. And immature people uh, will change their mind. And I think that was what they were hoping there when they, they laid out the whole offense to him. You know, what is your problem? Even being the number two tight end, you're probably going to get more balls thrown to you here. And guess what? You're not going to be the number two tight end somewhere else. Nobody's going to say, let's throw open our door and make David the Joker the starter because he caught five passes last year. Right. Right. And that was, you know, I, I had the reaction when he made the trade request. My, my first reaction was, Okay, I got to check and make sure that, you know, this is actually, you know, Adam Schefter tweeting this out. Right. <laughs> and, like, David Njoku's requesting a trade? You know, go go prove it. I mean, yeah, yeah you're not good enough to ask. The first reaction. I mean, it, it, it sort of is like, you know, somebody saying, uh, you know, some bit part playing, say, I don't want to be the star in the next movie. You know, so I'm going to go do for another movie. Look, you're lucky you have big part on Law & Order SUV, you know, for five seconds. What are you talking about? You're not going to have your own show. <laughs> so, um, and I think the Browns realize that. And so they handle both of those pretty well. I thought that was progress. Um, like you, I'm anxious to even see them out there running around in shorts and, and helmets, throwing some passes and stuff to see what it looks like. I want enough they're getting lined up right and everything because we don't know. 
Yeah. By the way, did you, you heard that too, this talk about they're being lined up, but they're like socially distancing, lining up. I, I don't know what that's going to look like. It's not going to look like what they're going to play. I mean, they're, they're not huddling. Now they might start huddling when they get into real camp, but yeah, I mean, at some point they're going to have to be. You can't I, have your offensive linemen six feet apart. Right. Unless you want to really try some funky stuff on offense, I guess. Yeah, Hugh but, Jackson had a couple of those, but uh, I want this to be a new NFL rule. The defense is six feet apart, the offense is six feet apart, and they're going to make the field now 110 yards wide. I, I did hear somebody point out, I, I think it might have been um, Warren Sharp. I heard him on a podcast. He pointed out that maybe, you know, with teams who aren't going to be huddling in camp, if you don't have fans in the stands, maybe you can run some more no huddle during the season. It's a little sure. easier to communicate. So, so that's kind of one thing to, to keep an eye on. And I know Kevin Stefanski wants to pick up the pace of this offense from last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, if you're only giving me running the ball and throwing the tight ends, because, uh, you know, I was joking a little bit about some of that stuff, but the lack of practice time and, and the type of practices lead you to making, making the main thing the main thing, the Stephen Covey principle. And the main thing here should be running the ball and the tight ends and looking for spots where you could hit a receiver deep. And, you know, we don't need – you're usually good at all the wild things that went wrong. But I just remember that Kareem Hunt thing where he was in the background, like threw the ball sideways or whatever that was. Yeah. You know, that kind of stuff. Um, this is not a year for that. This is a year for making that. And and so a lot of it could be done out of the no huddle if you're only running maybe, you know, six to 12 basic plays. Which, by the way, when you got these kind of offensive weapons, it's okay. Yeah, well, and if you're going to keep it simple, you know what Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb can do. Mm-hmm. You already know that. You don't need to figure it out. You know what those guys can do. Um, I want to get some, some questions that got texted into us. And there were a couple questions. We've touched on this a little bit with the regime. But, but people really want to know you know, your, your feelings about this regime as you've gotten to know them. I, obviously, we all kind of knew Andrew Barry the first time around, but now he's in a very different chair. Uh, and, and this question from the 773 area code, uh, given your long view of Brown's history, uh, does this feel different with this type of regime? Does it feel any different than the ones that preceded it? You know, we've talked about Freddie and Hugh and, and Chud and all them, but just, I, I guess, really just in that 20-year window that we've had since the Browns came back, how different does this feel? Well, at least among the ones lately, um, Andrew Barry looks like he's a stronger general manager than I thought he would be, just simply because when they hired Stefanski first, I was concerned that they were going to basically bring in a GM in name only, and he was kind of a, a puppet or just really worked for the coach. Well, while Barry came in later, I think it's pretty clear. What do you think, Dan? I'm, Barry's Barry's making the calls on these uh, personnel moves and everything. Yeah, it, it sure feels like it. it yeah, now that doesn't mean uh, Stefanski's being ignored because he knows Stefanski wants these zone blockers. He's getting the zone blockers. He's getting the tight ends, you know, all that kind of stuff. But uh, I really believe that Andrew is making the call on these guys. You know, just like Andrew's call, by the way, you know, this is the one, one big area where I'm concerned. And I, I actually haven't talked to you about this. You know, his, his, his kind of dismissal of linebackers. Yeah. It really is. You just – not just Schobert, but, it would, you know, you bring in these guys like B.J. Goodson play 28% of the snaps in Green Bay. And, uh, you know, what do they have? Uh, Mac and uh, Taki Taki and 
this third round kid, this third round kid from uh, Phillips from LSU. It's almost I know they're only going to probably probably play two of them with the Woods' system, but nonetheless, um, you know, I probably would have given uh, Schobert something similar to that contract because while it's fifty five million. It's like uh, I think ten and eleven million in first two years guaranteed. Then you're out of it after that. So, uh, but that's me. But they are just not into uh, linebackers. Yeah, that was that was a strange. You know, it's kind of a strange zag because you look at the other teams in the division, especially mm-hmm. the top two teams. Baltimore loves linebackers, right? Pittsburgh loves linebackers. I mean, they traded up for a linebacker a few years ago, which they never do. They never trade up in the first round. By the way, uh, now I believe. I'm like 90% sure of this, which at my age is about as close as you can get to being sure. Um, Philadelphia doesn't like linebackers either. And um, that's where Barry was before here. Howie Roseman in Philadelphia, uh, Howie Roseman runs the Eagles, had a huge impact on Barry. I know this for a fact. So this could be one of those things where you look at that, Dan, and he's just kind of imitating – what he saw there, what he saw was pretty – I mean, hey, the Eagles are, are somebody to emulate. They're pretty good. Yeah, they've, they've, built, some, they've built a pretty good team there, I think. Yeah. <laughs> That's safe to say. Um, you, you know what? When we go back to Barry and how young he is and, and sort of how, how he has sort of asserted himself, it, it almost feels like, you know, you see this sometimes with guys who are – you know, it's obvious his goal was to end up as a GM as a football, mm-hmm. you know, of a football team. And so he's probably spent most of his career thinking, you know, if I'm a GM, I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. this. This is how I would do things. And of course, he's also been a sponge. He's learned from a lot of people. And I, I even think working for John Dorsey for a year. And, and that, sure. That old Ron Wolf scouting method. I, I think that was, that's something that was good for him to absorb. So and I don't, I mean, Dan, to stop there for a second, I don't see uh, him doing things that are like wildly analytic that, are dumbfounding, you know, other than maybe the, the linebacker thing. But, you know, bringing in Conklin and bringing in Hooper and bringing in Case Keenum, that's kind of like regular football decisions. Right. It's, it's hard to point at anything and say, you know, I, I don't get this. You know, this was just an analytics pick or yeah. an analytics move. Everything. I mean, maybe of- some of these lower round guys or whatever, but in terms of, now, I was a little concerned about Wills moving from right tackle to left tackle, and it's kind of his comment. And, and it was half throwaway line, you know, tackles are tackles. But what he meant, I think, is if the guy's a really gifted athletic tackle, he can, and he's young, he can learn to play either spot with the right line coach, the right line coach being Bill Callahan. Um, maybe that's a slightly analytics thing. But it isn't like some of the stuff they did in the early go-round, and it probably helped him to be a part of that front office and to see some of those things backfire. Yeah, exactly. I, I want to ask another question here from, from a texter. It has to do with um, someone the Browns fans, I think, are interested in, in a trade for, and uh, he's out there from the 440 area code. Uh, Yannick Ngakwe from Jacksonville, very unhappy there, wants to get paid. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't believe he signed that franchise tender yet. Is, is that a guy that you would be interested in trading for? And do you think that's a guy this front office would trade for? I'll let you lead off on this one. Set okay. the table for me. So I think he's a really good player. It would concern me that you have to bring him in and pay him a big contract, especially after you, after you just paid Miles Garrett all that money. And I know this team has a lot of cap space, but you do have a lot of guys coming up. 
And I'm just, I wouldn't, if, if they traded for him, it would certainly make this team better. I'd be, I'd be worried about how much he cost. Had they not made this stuff with Vernon, that's what I was thinking, then it would make it more likely. Um, I don't see that happening. I just don't. Because I think they don't want to bring him in, and it's not just the cost and draft capital or whatever to get him, uh, which you know, could be a first-round pick and something else. Who knows? Uh, it wasn't Jamal Adams. Wasn't that two first-round picks? That was that was a lot. Yeah, yeah. I, I believe it was. I'm not saying this guy's quite there, but it was a ton, and they had to sign him too. Mm-hmm. So uh, this would be an area like that, and I they are cognizant of. You know, Chubb's going to be a free agent. And, you know, in other words, next year you start negotiating with Chubb and Denzel Ward and Baker. You know, you will see if you may want to do with all three of those guys. But uh, that's something they have to think about. So I, I would be stunned if the front office did it. You know, I would certainly investigate it. I don't know what kind of guy he is. That's the other thing, too. Um, and it's hard to know in Jacksonville because Jacksonville's kind of been like Cleveland. Yeah. Um, you know, right? I mean, it's just a mess. I, I mean, you know, look, I did watch him come into First Energy Stadium and single-handedly mm-hmm. wreck a Browns game. But, uh, you know. You can't just do that because there's, the Browns have been wrecked by a lot of guys. Yes, exactly. Um, I mean, remember, the Duck beat the Browns. That, that's true. He, he did beat the Browns. And T.J. Watt has made a career. He's basically made his yeah, He should send them half of his next contract because they set him up in two ways. Number one, you know, Miles and – his agent, Bus Cook, went first with Andrew, which, by the way, I give them both credit for. You know, somebody had to go first and get the big contract, knowing that there were guys going to come after them and get a little more. Then yeah. Bosa came in. So now it's T.J. Watt's turn, and he could use all those Brown stats to pad it and make him <laughs> look like the greatest defensive end ever. Yeah, exactly. Miles, uh, Miles set the table for a lot of people. The, the, yeah. one, like, the one analytics area that, that I definitely think – matters with this front office is I don't think they're going to be just throwing draft picks away. I don't think they're going to be giving up draft picks. Um, no. Yeah. I, no, I, you look I, at what I, they did in this last draft, even before they drafted Jordan Elliott, they traded down to get another third rounder mm-hmm. fill a gap where they didn't have one next year. So I don't think they're going to be real. I don't think they're giving away many high draft picks. Yeah. They're on the, they're, they're off the obsession of trading down all the time, which is good. You know, yeah. they didn't trade all, out of 10 and that, um, but to your point, um, I don't see, you know, when they go back and look at, didn't they trade up to get Najoku? There we go. That's what I was trying to get they in my trade mind. Trade up to Najoku. How did that work out? Well. <laughs> I mean, he's a guy, but round. really trading up in the first round for him, I don't know what they gave up in draft capital in the second and third round. We'd have to go back and look. You know, fortunately, because the reason I thought of that is, you know, who was drafted right after Najoku. T.J. Watt. Just thought I'd bring that up. <laughs> yes, T.J. Watt. Yeah. And, that, and, you know, look, the reality is they also traded out of Deshaun Watson. We'll see how that works out. If they right, but I meant back. this, where I'm saying is uh, where they did finally trade into the first round. And the guy they traded into the first round to get was Najoku, who was projected, because I, I wrote a column, for the, if readers have that, go back and look at this from, um, a couple of weeks ago where I looked and looked at Najoku kind of like what people said before the draft, because how about this? Najoku was not the first team, all ACC tight end. 
He was not second team all ACC tight end. He wasn't even third team wow. all ACC tight end. He was honorable mention. He was a combine guy. Yep. You know, and he just walked into the room and looked like an NFL tight end, and he did all the running and lifting and cone drills. Uh, was a nice young man. And teams, there were projections. Mike Mayock and some others had him going 15 to 20. So the Browns probably at 29th, but oh, we're going to get a, get a bargain here. But unfortunately, they got a very young man, you know, he's immature. And uh, now he may, you know, he may develop into a, a pretty good player. We'll see. He's getting his chance. But yeah. I'm, what I'm simply saying is that was one of those analytics. He's really young. Combine, all the stuff. Basically, they drafted for him for everything except kind of what he did in college. Right. And we've seen that that sort of translated onto the uh, the NFL field. Yeah, as well. Yeah, he's a tease. Now that can change, but he's been a tease. Okay. Uh, before I let you go, anything uh, folks should know about? Well, then I'm going to be on vacation for a week and a half, <laughs> so that's good. Secondly, uh, Dan, one of the things that I've been thinking is that I am so grateful the NFL keeps trying to be in business because we need things to talk about. Yes. And I actually am very anxious to see when these guys get on the field, you know, what they look like. Uh, there are reasons for optimism with this team. I'm not talking Super Bowl or anything like that. But when you do look at your guy, are you still Kareem Hunt's agent? Are you still in that camp? Kareem, I am still Kareem Hunt's agent. Well, you should be because, he, I mean, he, you know, the talent is there. And then Chubb is, is terrific. And, and you, they do have – they brought in Hooper, and you do have Odell, and you do have Jarvis. Um, I did, and they they fixed up the offensive line. They're, the offense should be really fascinating to watch. I have to admit, the defense does worry me. You know, we, we talked about the linebackers, Dan, but uh, just you know, I, I'm, I'm not real sold on the secondary either. I'm not alarmed by it. But, you know, they're going to count on a lot of, like, Delpit and uh, Sandejo, the veteran that they got from Minnesota. Um, What's with the guy from Oakland that they signed, the free agent? Because isn't he on the uh, Carl something? Uh, yeah, Carl Joseph. He, is he on the yeah, foot problem, or is he better now, or what? He, he had a foot injury. Um, I, I got to check to see if he's still on the pup. I believe they activated him. Um, okay. He, he should be good to go. Because, see, they're counting. Aren't they counting? They're counting on him, and they're counting on Sandejo to play some, the other safety, and they're counting on Delpit. Because, remember, they're probably going to play three safeties. So, and uh, the guy Selberg, red wine, you know, hey, maybe these guys end up being pretty good, but it's there. There's some there's some issues there. So, yeah, it'll be uh, Carl Joseph is interesting. They essentially traded him for Demarius Randall. You know, yeah, they signed one year deals with the the other former team. Uh, so we'll see what what he can do. He's kind of on a one year kind of bet on it deal, if if you want to put it that way. That whole defense that they signed, free agents are on that. Yeah. Pretty much, I think, except Claiborne, I think it's two years. Yeah, for the most part. Okay, Terry, uh, enjoy your vacation. I look forward to running into you out at training camp and uh, doing a few more of these segments here on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Okay, thanks, Dan.